Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, welcome back to The Bunker. I'm Andrew Harrison. It's your start your week edition and your first Cummings free week Look, the sky is blue and clear and things are different. <laughs> Birds are singing. I've got Alex Andreo here with me to explain what's coming up uh, in the week. Uh, hello, Alex. How are you? Hello. Um, I'm all right. It's a little too early, but these are the sacrifices we make for our listeners. You're sounding disgustingly perky. So Boris Johnson is uh, suddenly isolating during what is supposed to be, supposedly, <laughs> deal week. Firstly... Is it really deal week? Because we were told 19th of November and now being told 23rd, maybe start of December. Is it really deal week? What's happening? As I've said on the show before, and as my uh, commission contacts have told me many, many times, the deal or a possible deal will never fail for lack of time. That won't be allowed to happen. There will always be a mechanism and invention. There will always be some room made. The deal will only fail for lack of progress. So if at any point the European uh, Commission get to a, a, a stage where they think a deal is not going to be made, that's when the deal will fail. And it could happen if they've agreed an extension of six months. It could happen in the first week of those six months if they, if they finally uh, see that there's n- no possibility of a deal or it could happen with 20 minutes to go to midnight uh, December. But that's the point. The deal won't uh, fail for lack of time, because if there's political will to make a deal, and they think they're getting close to making a deal, they will make the time. Uh, before we uh, recorded this podcast, you you mentioned uh, over the weekend that you thought we were in actually in for concession week, both on the EU talks and on the American election results. We're going to be seeing a lot of conceding and caving. Do you st- after sleeping on it? Do you still think that's the case? Trump's tweets have uh, have uh, sort of become more aggressive after seeming to concede. He's now just tweeting in all caps. We won the election. Um, so he seems to be going slightly backwards on the seven stages of grief. Um, <laughs> it, it he seems... has his own stages. He has his own special stages, of like a big bit of rage in the middle that other people <laughs> don't really do. It, it, just, it just seems that he, he made it onto bargaining and now he's back firmly in the early stages of denial. So I don't know what will happen. My sense is that when the states uh, uh, formally certify the results, which will be sometime this week, he will concede and he will launch his 2024 campaign at the same moment, which I think is what, what he's doing. We'll come back to Donald Trump in a bit. And let's go. Let's go back. Come back home and back to this deal business. The whole point of the weekend's kerfuffles and Dominic Cummings with his box of theatrical. I'm sure that box is empty. There can't have been anything in it. There was no need to leave by the front door. He could have left by the back door. It was all show. It was all theatre, wasn't it? it, the, it look, it was all theatre, but the interpretation of that theatre varies 
wildly. What do you think? Uh, I what do I think? Yeah, I'm just I'm just the presenter. I asked. No, question. no, come on, come on. You must have a view. <laughs> I, I I I do think that it was. I think I think uh, there was no real reason to leave by the front door. I think that was a, a declaration of, of hostility against Boris Johnson. I I'm bracing myself I, for whatever blogs arrive. I think there's going to be awful blogs. There's going to be there's going to be, he's now going to sort of Cummings is going to morph into a version of Harry Enfield's. You don't want to do it like that. Uh, from years ago, mm. he's just gonna sit I, I, I think he's going to go quiet for a little bit, and then in the mm. new year, we're going to start getting the blogs. But I agree that the theatre was all about a declaration of hostility to Johnson. I really do not buy into the theories that it was all staged uh, to show uh, Cummings distancing himself from the government uh, when, in fact, he will be working from home behind the scenes and still advising Johnson. I don't think that was it at all. I think Number 10 would have wanted him to go quietly via the underground entrance, be picked up by a car or whatever. And, And I suspect the reason he walked out the front door holding a box is because he he wouldn't do what they wanted him to do, which was go quietly. So the point of this week was supposed to re-establish Boris Johnson as the actual leader, which is going to be difficult if he can't present himself in public. Now he's isolating. Has uh, people are muttering darkly that this is a way to get a way he has found of getting himself out of prime minister's question time where he would have been absolutely roasted over this. (laughs) Is that, is that a conspiracy too far or do we think that uh, they really had intended on a reset week? I've seen whispers that he will do PMQs remotely, so um, hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's getting out of them altogether. I don't know. I, I suspect they will make that decision further down the line. It's it, you know, it's a sign of the times we're living in. Um, that anyone can get a ping on their app at any point, and their plans for that week go out the window, including the prime ministers. I do think the way he accepted the news was slightly counterproductive and uh, speaks to the confusion of the message that there has always been the case. All this stuff that even though I'm bursting with antibodies, damn it, now I have to isolate, but the rules are the rules. You know, the prime minister should not grudgingly be accepting that he has to do the right thing. Um, he should be accepting it very willingly uh, and graciously. And again, you know, every time he makes it, because he released a little video online, every time he does an announcement like that, it's just dripping with, oh, why did this have to happen to me? (laughs) Everything he does is dripping with that energy. Um, you know, that I was going to be a great prime minister and then all this stuff happened. It's just think- unbecoming and the shtick is getting old, to be honest. Do you think that the, the disappearance of vote leave uh, from the centre of government of you know Cummings and Lee Kane and supposedly all the little helpers on the minions that, that uh, you know are now marked for a clear out is that going to make a difference to what happens with the with the deal with the EU deal or is it or is it all a bit too late? Has the course been set? As David Frost made his decisions, and it doesn't really matter whether Dom's there in his magic seeing room. Yeah, I I don't think David Frost has made any decisions. I think his function is similar to that of Michel Barnier. I think he gets his orders from above, so he will do what he's told to do. I don't think the departure of Cummings and Kane de facto change 
the the sort of negotiating mandate that David Frost will go to uh, Brussels with. But I do think it changes the the possible alternatives. Um, so I do think it opens a, a couple of paths that were not previously easily available. But let us not overstate it. Cummings and Kane, as important as they were, they were not the only vote-leave presence in government. Practically the entire cabinet has been chosen for its vote-leave adherence and credentials. So there's still a huge uh, pressure in the government, I think, to go through with this. A little rumour that I heard whispered a couple of times on Friday and then again on Saturday was that there will be some sort of extension without saying it was an extension. So they will uh, they will agree the basics of the deal and then a sort of transitional fudge transition to the transition a sort of <laughs> six month six month fudge period that will take us next summer it will be framed you know we're doing it so as not to disrupt any possible coronavirus vaccine uh, supply chains both you know chemicals from the UK to the EU and vaccine coming back uh, so people I think are likely to accept it I, I repeat, however, that that will only happen if the European Commission thinks a deal is possible. You know, all this this notion that the EU always does deals at the 11th hour and always finds a way to extend deadlines and all that, it's absolutely true, but at the end of all of those uh, periods, there was a deal. Because there's also the counterfactual example of, for instance, the uh, the deal that the EU was trying to do with the US, which some at some point the EU pulled out of, because they yeah. thought, okay, this is going nowhere. Um, so there was no fudge, there was no little extension. They just said, yeah, we're we're giving this up. So there are pl- plenty of plenty of counterexamples of the EU pulling out of negotiations when it thought that there's no prospect of, of a real deal. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So the charm offensive to re-establish the government, uh, part of it is uh, the media ban is ending. Ministers are doing Good Morning Britain. They're starting to do the, the Today programme again. They'll probably start... Yeah, they're starting to behave program. like sane people. Yeah. Do you think that's likely to get any any traction with the country, that they will think, uh, that, that voters will think normality has returned or has is the identity al- already too ingrained? Yeah, I think people will judge them by their actions. I think they have effectively frittered away their honeymoon period after the election where they can establish a tone. And the tone that's been established has been, a, you know, one of nastiness and snideness and pettiness. Um, 
that's very difficult to turn around unless the actions follow. So people will always suspect them of uh, being snide and nasty, even if they appear on Good Morning Britain All Smiles, until they begin to do different things actually in government, until they begin to act differently, I think. Next week's been described as crucial on whether lockdown is going to be lifted on schedule or whether it's going to be extended further. Professor Susan Mitchie of the COVID-19 Behavioural Science Team told Radio 4, I think the next two weeks is going to be absolutely crucial, partly because of the weather, partly because I think the promise of a vaccine may be making people feel complacent. Do you think, again, this reset inside, inside government, is it going to affect the direction or the commitment to continuing lockdown? We've still got two weeks of the November lockdown to go. Yeah, look, uh, uh, ultimately, it depends on whether the government trusts its own lockdown. If the government trusts its own lockdown, then you can't wait effectively for the number of hospitalizations and deaths to turn around because there's a three to four week lag between Uh, the actions you take and the numbers of hospitalizations and COVID deaths. So you have to have the courage of your convictions and say, we did the right thing. We had a a lockdown for a month. So we believe these numbers will behave in the way we expect them to behave and end lockdown. I don't think they will do that. I think they're far too risk averse at the moment. And the, the notion of the numbers beginning to pick up again Uh, around Christmas will be too much of a risk for them. So my sense is that they will extend lockdown to around the 10th or 15th of December so that then they can come out and say, ta-da, Boris saved Christmas. You know, I I sense that's the direction we're going in. We talked about this again before before the recording, that Cummings was widely portrayed as very pro-lockdown and very follow follow the science. And you, you counted, well, yeah. of course he was. Because by he's Cummings. A, a, by Cummings, because <laughs> he's a serial briefer and a, and, a, and a serial leaker. Firstly, do you think he was? And secondly, do you think his 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 absence kind of strengthens the hand of this this COVID research group, the ERG, with a different a different uh, letter at the front? The, the, the kind of pro-economy, anti-lockdown, uh, you know, hawks on this. Do you think that cha- does that change? Again, does it change the calculus? No, because I think the the actual switch that control, controls this particular ca- calculus is Matt Hancock. I think Matt Hancock, I, I would guess, will have threatened to resign several times over the last few months, unless the government do what the scientific advisory group are telling them to do, because it's Matt Hancock that is actually at the front end of this crisis. And if he thinks the the NHS is at risk of collapse, remembering that this means, you know, not just a a COVID-related problem, but that, you know, if you're having a heart attack, an ambulance won't be able to come around and pick you up and take you somewhere because the hospitals will actually be full. You know, the the beds will be full and the corridors will be full. So that's the situation we're talking about. So if he thinks that is on the cards, he will never allow the government to uh, end lockdown too early for uh, non-scientific reasons. Or he will resign for it, which I think would would send really, really bad signals uh, around. And I think the government is desperate to avoid that. 
a lot of what we read and heard over the weekend emphasised the fact that Boris Johnson has effectively been uh, governing according to what the last person he spoke to told him. <laughs> and that That's absolutely right, isn't it? Yeah, and the last person is usually Carrie Simmons. Is it possible that in the in the absence of uh, Cummings and Kane and these guys, that possibly the CRG, the COVID Research Group, might end up being the last person Boris Johnson spoke to? Or are we going to are we going to have a uh, green government by Carrie from behind the scenes with her? Uh, you know, uh, her enthusiasm for those things. The government's already decided to bring forward the, the ban on petrol and diesel cars, for instance. Yeah, again, I would take all of that with a large pinch of salt because, again, it, the briefings uh, about and against Carrie Simmons seem to be coming from the Cummings side. So I'm sure they've been very keen to uh, focus on a particular baddie. But as we know, they have uh, made a lot of enemies, both in number 10 and in the conservative backbenches. So I, I, I don't think the, the, the only person that pushed for this decision was Carrie Simmons. I think, I think she won't have helped, for sure, because, you know, she's not some um, sort of agency-less you know, hapless partner that just sits at home and doesn't know anything about what's going about. You know, she was a lobbyist herself. She's deeply connected to the Conservative Party. She's got contacts all around Whitehall. Um, So she's someone that is very plugged in the political realities of what's going on. And if if Carrie Simmons is whispering in uh, uh, Johnson's ear about Cummings, it will be because she's getting, you know, 50 WhatsApp texts a day from very unhappy backbenchers and, uh, uh, you know, party activists on her phone telling her he needs to get rid of him. So, it, you know, this won't be just a, 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 an enlightenment formed from the heavens. You know, she's reflecting a school of thought that is very, very uh, dominant in the Conservative Party right now, which is we want uh, the old Boris back, basically. You know, Cummings' influence has been bad for the Prime Minister. He seems to have reduced him to a sort of joyless uh, apparatchik, and, you know, that's being reflected in the opinion polls. So we need to do something now. I think that's the conversation that will have happened. Finally, on COVID, this is all taking place against a backdrop of cases going absolutely out of control in America. It's likely that America will crack a quarter of a million deaths this week. Mm. It's likely that America will crack 200,000 new cases a day this week. Yeah. And Donald Trump appears to be doing absolutely nothing while Biden is is uh, preparing his, his task force um, at speed. Do you think the worsening COVID cases are likely to bring forward a Trump concession or is he simply... No, 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 nothing will bring forward a trouble. He doesn't care. Um, He doesn't give a toss. Uh, The the interesting thing about the COVID cases is that they're not evenly distributed. If you look at a map of the United States and where the COVID hotspots are, it is largely to do with uh, states with Republican uh, leadership, governor, etc., and Democrats leadership. And some Republicans 
are now beginning to break cover. So some Republican governors, the cases have been in one of the Dakotas. I won't lie. I can't remember which of the Dakotas. But in one of the Dakotas, the governor is the first Republican governor that has basically gone for much stricter measures, compulsory masks, uh, lockdown, etc., because cases are rampant there. So, so I think it will be the state leadership that begins to break away from Trump and speak against Trump as cases become more and more impossible to ignore that will actually bring the, the president down. There was a rather bleak cartoon at the weekend of uh, Trump looking at a map saying, look, it's all red. I won the election. And the aide says, those are the corona cases, Mr. Who's President. Gonna yeah, who's going to tell him he's looking at the COVID map? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Alex, thank you so much for getting up so early to fill us in on what's coming up this week. You're uh, very listen, welcome. Thank Listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, we've got the full panel show tomorrow, Tuesday. As usual, we have dailies on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Why not subscribe so that your phone will hoover all this up for you without further thought? And if you want to support us, of course, you can go to Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out how to get the podcast early without adverts and also nice mugs and T-shirts and other kinds of cool stuff. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Goodbye, guys. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronievich. And audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>